I'm not sure I've seen Beth Jenkins in the service, and I think she's the reader. She's here. Thank you for letting me unmute. I was trying to do that and it just would not release. Good morning. My name is Beth Jenkins. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I've been a member of the Unitarian Church of Edmonton since April of 1990. And in those that range of years, I've served in a range of different roles with different many multiple uh, levels of, of um, responsibility. Welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton's online Zoom service. We are a liberal, multi-generational religious community. We celebrate a rich mosaic of free thinking, spiritually questing individuals, joined in common support and action. We welcome a full range of theological perspectives as well as a full range of spiritual traditions and practices. As a Unitarian Universalist congregation, we strive to be a community where everyone is able to fully participate regardless of gender, gender expression, race, color, ethnic or national origin, religion, sexual affectional orientation, age, class, physical character, or disability. Whether you've been part of our congregation for decades, or this is your first time visiting, we welcome you. Whatever the faith and traditions of your past, we welcome you. Whatever your theological stance, we welcome you. Whatever your heritage, we welcome you. Whoever you are and whomever you love, we welcome you the whole of you. We especially welcome any visitors who might be with us today and invite you to join us for conversation in the breakout rooms once the service has ended. We invite you to place your name and contact information in our online guest book and which, which you can find on the uce.ca website. We gather today in gratitude on Treaty 6 land. A treaty is an inheritance, a responsibility, and a relationship. As part of that relationship, we're sharing with you the new Indigenous names that have been given to Edmonton's redrawn municipal wards. The names were chosen by a panel of 17 Indigenous women, the Committee of Indigenous Matriarchs, and approved by City Council in December of 2020. Today, we share with you Ward 10. Ipikoka Nepi Otsi is the ward in southwest Edmonton, west of the Calgary Trail. The word is Blackfoot, and it means the traditional lands where the Blackfoot performed their buffalo ceremonies. Bison were as vital to the Blackfoot people as to all Indigenous peoples on the plains. The Blackfoot believe that everything has a spirit, including animals, plants, trees, stars, and the moon. In some Blackfoot legend, bison spirits bring sacred knowledge about medicine and peace pipes to humankind. Bison are seen as symbols of honor, generosity, strength, endurance, and protection. So may it be. Good morning. I'm Reverend Leanne Washington, and I'm the interim minister serving the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. With us today is a very special guest, your next minister, Reverend Rosemary Morrison. Today is my last worship service with you, and I thought it would be a good idea to end our time together with a consideration of the hallmarks of a healthy congregation that's becoming a beloved community. So as we join our intentions to create this sacred space, I share with you, We Are One, written by the recently deceased and much missed Reverend Dr. Hope Johnson, a minister of color who served the UUA's Central East region for years. We Are One, a diverse group of proudly kindred spirits, 
here, not by coincidence, but because we choose to journey together. We are active and proactive. We care deeply. We live our love as best we can. We are one, working, eating, laughing, playing, singing, storytelling, sharing, and rejoicing. Getting to know each other, taking risks, opening up, questioning, seeking, searching, trying to understand, struggling, making mistakes, paying attention, asking questions, listening, living our answers, learning to love our neighbors, learning to love ourselves, apologizing and forgiving with humility, and being forgiven through grace, creating the beloved community together. We are one. Now let us join in worship. We begin this morning as congregations around the world do by lighting our chalice. As we light our chalice, I and Reverend Rosemary and Yvonne Miro will, in that order, read a three-part chalice lighting, Bold and Courageous Together, written by Reverend Erica A. Hewitt. Yvonne will be speaking on behalf of the congregation. The word courage comes from the Latin core, which means heart. According to poet Mark Nepo, the original use of the word courage meant to stand by one's core, a striking concept that reinforces the belief found in almost all traditions that living from the center is what enables us to face whatever life has to offer. To encourage means to hearten, to impart strength and confidence. This is our work as a religious community, to encourage one another, to be bold in engaging the world around us, as well as what scares us internally, to give one another the confidence and heart to live as fully as possible. With full hearts, we affirm our relationships with one another. We recognize our agency and our connective power, and we accept our responsibility to be bold and courageous. We light this chalice, symbol of all that we are, all that we have done together. Symbol of, oh, and all that we will be as our shared ministry encourages those within and beyond our walls. With mics muted, please join in singing hymn number 318, We Would Be One. We would be one as now we join in singing.
part of our community is sharing the joys and sorrows of our lives. Today, we will be sharing our joys and sorrows silently. If you have a personally significant joy or sorrow, please type it into the chat window where we will be able to see it. We'll take a moment of silence and then move into a meditative chant. At that time, those who desire are invited to enjoy the short chant sung by monks. Reverend Rosemary and I will now bless the congregation by sharing with you. I'm sorry. Reverend Rosemary will, on her own, share with you a piece written by Dana E. Worsnop and adapted for today by herself. And the piece is titled, I Want to Be with People. I didn't adapt it very much. It just changed one word. So um, mostly by, by Dana Worsnop. And it goes like this. Often people say that they love coming to a place with so many like-minded people. I know just what they're getting at. And I know that they aren't getting it quite right. I don't want to be with a bunch of people who think just like me. I want to be in a beloved community where I don't have to think like everyone else to be loved, to be eligible for liberation. I wanna be with people who value compassion, justice, love and truth. Though, may they, although they may have different thoughts and opinions about all sorts of things. I wanna be with independent-minded people of good heart. I want to be with people who have many names and no name at all for God. 
I want to be with people who see me in my goodness and dignity, who also see my failings and foibles and who still love me. I want to be with people who feel their interconnection with all existence and let it guide their footfalls upon the earth. I want to be with people who see life as a paradox and don't always rush to resolve it. I want to be with people who are willing to walk the tightrope that is life and who will hold my hand as I walk mine. I want to be with people who let church call them into a different way of being in the world. I want to be with people who support, encourage, and even challenge each other to higher and more ethical living. I want to be with people who inspire one another to follow the call of the spirit. I want to be with people who covenant to be honest, engaged, and kind, who strive to keep their promises and hold me to the promises I make. I want to be with people who give of themselves, who share their hearts and minds and gifts. I want to be with people who know that human community is often warm and generous and sometimes challenging and almost always a grand adventure. In short, I want to be with people just like you. With Mike's muted, please join in singing hymn number 1012, When I Am Frightened. We have developed the theological habit of saying that we that what we are doing is we are becoming beloved community. That explanation begs the question, what is beloved community? Succinctly put, beloved community exists where love prevails and everyone is appropriately cared for. 
In concrete terms, beloved community seeks to end injustice through the eradication of such social ills as poverty, hunger, homelessness, racism, verbal and physical violence, while actively moving society towards peace and justice for all through the work of conflict resolution and reconciliation. While the work of those seeking to create beloved community is often expressed through reference to social ills, the work of justice seeking and nonviolence begins on a personal level. As Unitarian Universalists, we cannot create in the greater world what we cannot create within the microcosm of our congregations. And that's where our work begins and why it is so vitally important that we pay attention to it. Becoming beloved community isn't easy, but then I've heard that nothing worth becoming ever is. This morning's message comes in large part, almost entirely, from a book written by a UU minister named Tom Owen Toll. For 24 years, he was co-minister of First Unitarian Universalist Church of San Diego. The book he wrote is called Growing Beloved Community, 12 Hallmarks of a Healthy Congregation. I'm gonna to try to quickly summarize the 12 hallmarks and while I'm doing that, I'll be sharing his observations, mostly expressed in his own words. I invite you to listen and compare your experiences here at the Unitarian Church of Edmonton to the 12 hallmarks. I know you might want to take notes and then share them during the conversation and coffee time after today's service. I urge you to use this book as a common read this summer, perhaps getting together in small groups to read and discuss it. Reverend Rosemary tells me that she's already familiar with the book and it would make a nice touchstone for the work that you and she will be doing together. The 12 hallmarks may be briefly stated or summarized as follows. Again, mostly using Reverend Tom's own words. A healthy congregation occupies holy ground. It is not a social club, a hospital wing, or even a spiritual refuge, even though it has elements of all of these things. A healthy congregation is primarily a place for seeking and spreading the holy, however expressed. A healthy congregation welcomes all souls. At its heart, the mission of every congregation includes offering an open door to all souls, then loving, lovingly attending to them. Reverend Tom looks back at our theological underpinnings and says our congregations would do well to simply stand for broad acceptance, full inclusion, and communal liberty, as our Unitarian and Universalist forebears did. A healthy congregation cares for its own. The objective of a healthy church is to provide a continuum of care from entrance to exit. Reverend Tom warns, lest our religion grow lopsided, balanced Unitarian Universalist parishes or congregations sustain an internal caregiving network as varied and vital as their external social action program. Healthy congregation gives everyone a voice. Mature congregational life is not for those fond of perpetual harmony and sameness because it depends on democracy and congregational participation in all aspects of congregational life. Unitarian Universalist Minister Alice Blair Wesley writes, show me the patterns of your church organization and I'll show you what the people of the church find worthiest of their loyalty. Organization and theology are not two different things. Our organization is a function of our actual theology. A healthy congregation encourages unity amidst diversity. In a flourishing Unitarian Universalist congregation, all living traditions and theologies are duly honored, 
and different classes, colors, capacities, and life choices are welcomed. The goal is to be diverse without becoming divided, to grow unified without succumbing to uniformity. A healthy congregation balances justice and joy. A robust congregation urges congregants to save and to savor the creation in cadence. Our days without compassion grow hedonistic. Our journey without pleasure turns us grim. The challenge for individual explorers and congregations is to juggle moments of both duty and delight. Unitarian Universalists endorse the conviction that love is an activity, not merely a feeling or attitude. And as such, love only exists in action. As members of a servant faith, we aspire to pursue self-fulfillment without falling prey to narcissism and to embody compassion without succumbing to sentimental do-goodism. A healthy congregation looks back, around, and ahead. In pursuit of the beloved community, the past is cherished, the presence is celebrated, and the future is charted. Robust congregations pay homage to those spiritual comrades who've come before and honors those not yet born, remembering that our mission is not to fulfill desires of self-aggrandizement, but to give seceding generations the pre precious gift of tomorrow. That sometimes involves individual sacrifice. Mature parishes also look around celebrating the present. While it is important to look back with gratitude and ahead in anticipation, a healthy church expends the bulk of its energy looking around in the present moment. It majors in being awake now, the only real time. Enlightened congregations don't live only for the present, but do live fully in the present. A healthy congregation spreads our good news. Reverend Tom begins this discussion by lamenting the wrongheadedness of those who downplay the theological underpinnings of Unitarian Universalism. He shares the following example. In her novel, Fly Away Home, American poet and novelist Marge Piercy has a mother say of her daughters, quote, the girls have been raised Unitarian Universalists, which seemed a nice, sensible compromise between having no religion at all and having to lie about what we believe. Enough religion to be respectable, but not enough to get in the way, end quote. Reverend Tom says that since ours is an unknown or mystifying religion to so many in our own ranks, not to mention outsiders, we have to become far more conscious about communicating our faith. We need to locate the enduring essence of who we are, then become infections, infectious promoters of our peculiar brand of good news, infecting the world. He offers this short primer course on who we are and who we might become. As Unitarian, we hold that every living creature is inherently valuable and is to be treated as such. We also contend that the cosmos is unitary. As universalists, we allege that wisdom is discoverable in every era and corner of the universe. That the only salvation worth having is communal, not individual, and that all creatures are held in the internal embrace of a loving deity. Healthy parishes motivate members to claim, clarify, and communicate our liberal religious gospel along the byways of our lives. A healthy congregation practices respect. If we fail to be practitioners of right relations in our chosen congregations, then our admirable pronouncements and contributions in the larger society are bogus. Reverend Tom notes the number of feudal squabbles in our congregations between religious professionals and laity and among lay members is astonishingly high. Healthy congregations 
respond to that by having covenants replete with a collective vision and an agreed upon code of conduct for co-creating a healthy fellowship. A healthy congregation also has instituted a thoughtful process for reconciliation, healing, and resolution for those times when its mutually shaped norms are violated and puts in place a team that helps keep congregational behavior on course. Healthy congregations embrace conflict as inevitable, even desirable for the growth and deepening of authentic relationships. Healthy churches lift up the pain, create covenantal guidelines, and point fellow members in the direction of managing conflicts, if not resolving them. They learn how to fight fairly, not cruelly, for impact, not injury. A respectful church is one where boundaries are kept, saboteurs are confronted, crises are faced. Good behavior is expected and rewarded, and respect is evident in the details of church organization and programming. In a healthy church, members are always asking, what does it mean to practice a kinder regard, whether we are engaged in religious education or social outreach, maintenance, leadership development, liturgy, or fundraising? A healthy congregation nurtures stewards. Full-service stewardship attends to self, church, society, and planet, the entire sweep of what the beloved community encircles. Robust stewards are summoned to think and act both globally and locally. Stewards are literally keepers of the hall, folks who labor to keep their chosen religious community spiritually, financially, and programmatically afloat even lively and growing. Stewardship means drawing upon our highest intentions and most generous aspirations. Generosity under goods and under rights, all the other values. For without generosity, one lives sparingly. One loves sparingly, if not stingily. Without generosity, our acts of justice happen rarely. And without generosity, we hoard our precious gifts of time and soul and other resources. Generosity then is the primary virtue that makes possible the stewardship that sustains our healthy congregations. Generous congregations find profound joy in giving. They're also unremitting in combating our pervasive culture of greed. Generous congregations are generative ones. They experience the gratification of seeing wrongs battled, prejudices undercut, grief lightened, and communities upheld. They recognize that in the end, we possess nothing except what we've shared or given away. A healthy congregation keeps journeying. Healthy congregations are pilgrims on a hallowed trek. Members are saunterers, literally holy landers, who treat every stride and piece of turf as conveyors of holiness. Despite dull expanses and dry spells, congregants aspire to be persistent plotters, eyes ever on the next plateau, resisting the temptation to camp out in the caves of comfortableness. A healthy, vital church is a becoming as well as a believing one. Those who resist, resist growth in congregational life, either in spirit or statistics, resist vitality. Resting content with the status quo leads inexorably to decline. For a church to fulfill its mission, it must be generative. It must grow in all aspects of congregational life. Being healthy means being elastic and evolving. In short, our Unitarian Universalist congregations constantly nudge their membership to think of themselves not as human beings, but as human becoming. And finally, a healthy congregation knows that it's not alone. Unitarian Universalists Ecclesiology asserts that the question, who am I, 
is secondary to its partner inquiry, whose am I? We are not self-sufficient creatures. Our Unitarian Universalist heritage claims that we belong not only to ourselves, our eras, our societies, and our living tradition, but also to the creation, the eternal spirit, and to God, whatever name you may give God. Olympia Brown, a prominent universalist in our movement, said that the great lesson of her universalist gospel was that all souls are children of God and must share the wealth of the world. And by wealth, she meant both material and spiritual abundance. A healthy congregation understands that it is not the ultimate source, sustainer, or summation of the beloved community. The infinite is, and we belong to it. We have our part in creating the beloved community, but it is only a part. We only hold some of the pieces of the puzzle, and we need each other to contribute our various pieces to finally put the entire puzzle together. The social justice chair at the San Diego Unitarian Universalist Church, where Reverend Tom served for so many years, had this to say in a charge to the congregation. We have a pocket full of puzzle pieces representing the skills and experiences we contribute to the common good. I can pocket my pieces, hoarding them, or I can play them. There are no guarantees and we can't see the cover of the box to know where to places the pieces, place the pieces or how the pattern will come out. To play pieces means to play with faith, knowing we may never even see the frame constructed in our lifetime. Perhaps some of the puzzle work I work on will never be completed, but I need to play my pieces anyway. We all need to play our pieces. Reverend Tom exhorts us to give our all personally and communally, communally to that enterprise that has done so much good for us. Commit our whole being to growing and cultivating pieces of the beloved community here and now, right where we're planted. Ours is a holy vocation worthy of all we are. Now, I'd like to share some good news that I heard at this year's Unitarian Universalist Association General Assembly. I heard one of our speakers say, perfection isn't a thing. When I heard that, I suddenly felt so freed of unreasonable expectations of myself and others, the ones I have been subjected to and the ones that I have imposed. So to you, members and friends of the Unitarian Church of Edmonton, I say perfection isn't a thing. So don't try to impose it on yourselves or on your minister. Listen deeply to each other. Leave room for human foibles. Be slow to anger and quick to reconcile. As you come together again as a congregation becoming beloved community, Celebrate that which is holy and worthy. And let there be no insurmountable impediments on your journey toward becoming that beloved community with Reverend Rosemary. Andrew, please stop sharing the slides and let's take a look at the entire congregation present. Reverend Rosemary and I would like to bless the congregation with an adaptation of the holy work of showing up written by Ashley Haran. There you are. It is so good to see so many people here with us this morning. How is it with your soul? 
This is the question that John Wesley, Anglican priest and the founder of Methodism was known to ask of participants in small reflection groups. I ask you, <laughs> because for me, this has been a hard week. So dear ones, how is it with your souls? If your response to that question is anything like mine, I want to invite you to pause. Take a deep breath. Maybe take another one. Feel the force of gravity pulling us toward the same center and feeling that rootedness and connection, hear this. You are loved beyond belief. You are enough. You are precious. Your work and your life matter. You are not alone. You are part of a we, a great cloud of witnesses, living and dead, who have insisted that this beautiful, broken world of ours is a blessing worthy of both deep gratitude and fierce protection. Our ancestors and our descendants are beckoning us, compelling us onward toward greater connection, greater compassion, greater commitment to one another and to the earth. Together, you are resilient and resourceful enough to say yes to that call, to make it your life's work in a thousand different ways, knowing that you can do no other than bind yourselves more tightly together and throw yourselves into the holy work of showing up again and again and again, to be part of building that world of which we dream, but which we have not yet seen. Blessings upon you all. Andrew, please begin sharing the PowerPoint presentation. And I invite you with Mike's muted to join in singing hymn number 121, We'll Build a Land.
Generosity is a spiritual practice, one that enlarges the heart, enlightens the spirit. For no matter how much or how little we have in the sharing of it, both the one who gives and the one who receives are blessed. We are a governing and self-supporting community. We rely on your donations to support our staff and to offer our programs. Now more than ever, we need your financial support. Please visit our website at uce.ca and click on donate in the upper left corner to find the donation method that best suits you. For the month of July, we encourage you to also support CEASE, the Center to End All Sexual Exploitation. Please visit their website for more information about them and you'll find a link to CEASE on our church homepage. With mics muted, please join in singing hymn number 402 from You I Receive. As we bring our time together to a close, I want to thank those who have worked together to bring us this morning service. We are grateful for Maria Jenkins, who opened our Zoom room for the service and greeted everyone. Andrew Mills, who created our slides and ran them today. Beth Jenkins and Yvonne Miro, our readers. Susan Rutan, who's managing our breakout rooms. And Lynn Wolf, who's recording our services. And I know that I speak for everyone in sharing a special expression of gratitude to Reverend Rosemary Morrison for joining us this morning. Thank you, Reverend Rosemary. I am pleased beyond words that you will be the next minister to serve the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. Here you will find people who are generous, open-hearted, and eager to serve each other and the greater community. My interim ministry here and the work of the congregation has been supported and facilitated by an interim transition team. They've done much good work with the congregation and they are morphing into a transition team in order to assess, assist you as you integrate into this community. I know from experience that you will be well supported. Reverend Rosemary, you have all my blessings as you begin your ministry here in September. May you enjoy mutual and unconditional love. May your kind heart and sound mind be a compass upon which this congregation relies. And may you find great satisfaction and joy as your ministry here bears fruit. Godspeed and good luck. Thank you, Reverend Leanne, for the good work you have done with the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. Thank you for helping them through their first year of interim work. Your final report shows that you have shepherded UCE through some very important reflection and action. Even though this year with UCE has not been easy with the pandemic and not being able to move here, you have persevered and done your best for this congregation. For this, I am grateful, Reverend Leanne. Even though you are, were unable to be here physically in Edmonton this past year or there, I'm in the Yukon, <laughs> I know you have helped this congregation immensely managing the pandemic. It was no easy task, one that you and the leadership of UCE continue to have well in hand. Today, you are at the beginning of the end with UCE as you move into study leave and holidays. May your mind and your spirit be renewed and refreshed. May you find the strength you need to start again with the Unitarian Universalist Church of Jacksonville. Over the next two years in Jacksonville, Florida and with them, may you be blessed and supported. May they grow and be successful in the interim work you will be leading them in. May you find in the congregation open and kind hearts that welcome you and support you 
in your new ministry. Reverend Leanne, it's now time to take a breath, to be grateful for the lessons learned and to turn your face toward your next charge. May they and you find the best in one another. May you be filled with loving kindness and may you be peaceful and at ease. The Unitarian Church of Edmonton has indeed been fortunate to have you help them through this difficult pandemic year. May your time with the Unitarian Church of Jacksonville bring joy and laughter, new lessons and great successes. Blessings upon you as you venture forth and upon your ministry as you bravely embark on your new journey. I'm so happy for you. Blessings upon you. Sorry, you're muted, Leanne. Oh, thank you, Yvonne. So I will once again express my gratitude to Reverend Rosemary for those kind words and for her blessing. Thank you, Reverend Rosemary. As we extinguish our chalice, Yvonne Moreau will read the words written by Krista Taves, the work we share. It is our work shared with each other in covenant that creates and sustains this beloved community. We extinguish this chalice, but its light lives on in the directions we have chosen today. The light of this faith lives on in us together, in our hearts, minds, bodies, and spirits. Amen and blessed be. With Mike's muted, please join in singing our closing song, Carry the Flame. concludes our worship service this morning. Before we break up into small groups for coffee and conversation, I would like to explain a few things. First, it's been such a great blessing to have Reverend Rosemary participate in today's service with us. She will not, however, be staying to join us in conversation. That will have to wait until her ministry begins with you. Thank you, Reverend Rosemary. UCE eagerly awaits your arrival in September. Next, I want you to know that I begin a two-week study leave tomorrow. During that time, I'll, I will continue to work with leadership to finalize the several reports that need completing before my time with you comes to a complete close. I will read and respond to emails and be available for conversations through Monday, Ju July 19th. After that, I begin six weeks of vacation and preparation for my next ministry. During that time, I will only be available for congregational emergencies should they occur. And finally, in accordance with the UU Ministry Ethical Guidelines, after August 31st, we must end our relationship with each other, which does not mean that we'll never see each other again. It just means that out of respect for the relationship that you will build with Reverend Rosemary, I must step aside. Should there be a need for communication between us after August 31st, we must inform Reverend Rosemary of the need and seek her consent to the communication. This might seem a bit harsh, but it's a rule born of the lived experience of ministers and congregations whose relationship has been harmed by the congregation's inability to let go of their prior minister. So after August 31st, please delete me as a friend on Facebook, delete my phone number from your phone and remove my email address from your contacts page. And I will do the same. 
Should we meet at a conference online or at a UU event in person? We are free to warmly greet each other and catch up on the major events in our lives. We are, after all, Unitarian Universalists becoming beloved community with a shared commitment to caring for one another. Now, please feel free to take a short comfort break, get a cup of coffee, and watch our weekly announcements as they slide by. In a few minutes, you'll be invited into randomly assigned breakout rooms for conversation. Please feel free to bring your own coffee. You may accept the invitation to join a breakout room. You may decline the invitation, or you may accept the invitation, and then when you're ready, return to the main room. I will remain in the main room for about an hour for questions about the service, questions about the report I recently released, comments, and general discussion. Enjoy the break. Before we head off to our break, uh, Reverend Leanne, on behalf of the congregation, I'd like to thank you for spending the last year with us. We've all grown from our interactions. Uh, you've set us on a path of growth, an organization that will see us prosper long into the future. And to steal part of a phrase I've heard from you, I hope you will be as blessed in the future as UCA has been blessed to know you. Thank you again and enjoy the rest of your Independence Day once you get out of here. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. 